0: Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show excited to rewatch and recap it along the way.
1: All right, back to our episode recaps. We are kicking things off for the second half of season two with episode 12, Richard in Stars Hollow. Newly retired Richard is driving Emily crazy, so Lorelai agrees to take her father for a day in Star's Hollow,
0: where he annoys both Lorelai and Rory. Quite quite an episode. I thought it was very parallel to the Emily in Wonderland episode yeah. of season one.
1: I liked that they directly referenced that in the title alone, yeah. and kind of in the format of the episode as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, I enjoyed this episode in a lot of ways. It also graded my nerves in a lot yeah. of ways, <laughs> but I I think we'll have a lot to talk about and I'm excited to get back into like episode recaps.
0: Yeah, me too. And as we're getting started, don't forget to rate and review and uh, follow us on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, we're having a lot of fun over on TikTok with our Supernatural <laughs> um, castings I guess what the Gilmore Girls people would be so yeah if you skipped our mid-season
1: recap we had some hypothetical questions that really inspired us and we're kind of going from there so we're assigning supplementary reading and listening <laughs> material for you yeah. <laughs> on our social media accounts
0: don't worry it doesn't um, take long but you no. will be quizzed <laughs> <laughs> yeah pop quiz
1: <laughs> Is that not what the talking fast segment is like? That's basically, true. our <laughs> own pop quiz. I never really yeah. thought of it that way, but
0: <laughs> we did get a couple talking fasts from listeners after we mentioned mm-hmm. that in our last episode. Thank you. It's great to hear your voices, and it's brave. You all did well. I think that uh, it really shows my particular downfall of getting bogged down by the weeds <laughs> of the details. <laughs> but yeah, I think you y'all did very well I mm-hmm. think so. <laughs> maybe we'll
1: figure out a way to incorporate those yeah get some space for those it can be hard when we usually go over an hour <laughs> for an <Yeah>. episode <laughs> alone so maybe that will we could fit them in our final or a supplementary episode
0: or something mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so should we do our talking fast for this episode let's do it are you ready i'm ready
1: yeah okay go Richard is retired and he is driving Emily a little insane she is like being watched by him always which is pretty funny she sends him off to Stars Hollow for a day where he starts to annoy Lorelai and Rory by kind of budding into their lives and overstepping uh, meanwhile Dean also has finished the car which I totally forgot about also Paris is on investigative journalism kind of thing uh, movies are banned at the Stars Hollow video uh Jess plans another prank and Kirk of course works at the video store. Okay. <laughs> nice. That was good. Speaking <laughs> of the weeds, I just started to like just really freestyle there with some random detail Well you've gotten all the main points in, so that's commendable. Mm-hmm. Broad brush strokes version though. <laughs> Alright. Are you ready? Yeah, let's see how it goes. <laughs> Alright.
0: Three, two, one, go. So we start off with a mausoleum question, which is always fun. And then Richard is bugging Emily, asking how many cups of coffee she drinks. So she pawns Richard off onto Lorelai, and Richard criticizes everything Lorelai does in Stars Hollow. Meanwhile, uh, Paris wants to unearth the seedy underbelly (laughs) of Stars Hollow, And for a story for the Franklin, and she follows Rory to uh, Stars Hollow, and Rory is the face of censorship, and then there's a big fight, and oh gosh. I think I, like, start just getting excited about words and spinning words and stuff, and then I just get distracted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, what's there not to like? Yeah. (laughs) Well, should we slow down and go through our episode? Yes, closely. Yeah, I actually have my gazebo moment in the opening scene.
1: Stop.
0: Me too. (laughs) (laughs) I wondered if that would happen because it was like it's perfect Emily humor. (laughs) So where at Friday night dinner, and everybody comes in and exchanges a like I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, and then Mm -hmm. Emily starts asking these strange probing questions about whether Lorelai is seeing anybody, whether she realistically thinks she'll ever get married. At first, I didn't remember where this was going and I thought it was like Emily was going to be setting her up with somebody again. (laughs) But then (laughs) she says that she has recently been to the family mausoleum. (laughs) and notice that they're running out of space (laughs) so she wants to know like whether they're gonna have to plan for a partner for Lorelai or if there's just room for Lorelai and Rory which I thought was weird because what if Rory gets married you know and has kids like there's somebody's gonna have to be moved at some point (laughs)
1: Yeah. Like Lorelai said, you never know what it's going to be with Emily. Yeah. And I did not remember the mausoleum bit at all. So I was having a lot of fun listening to them. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, if you do meet someone someday, I don't know where to put them. It's just such a funny way to describe it. And then they're debating about who to put out if they get an annex. Um, And they're, you know, listing different people. They say Aunt Cecile. And there's a few running jokes about that her terrible jokes how she says knock knock jokes but then doesn't know how to format that joke um and then it's just been like emily Lorelai, and rory and richard comes home classic kind of fashion of a humorous scene he doesn't know anything that's been said to this point so he says oh yeah the mausoleum and annex okay i vote for cecile horrible woman terrible jokes <laughs> And just, like, the comedic timing on everyone's part in the scene. The the chemistry between all of them. Rory saying this is a cold, cold family at the end. It was just, like, a perfect little capsule of, a, like, what a cold open scene is, you know? Yeah. that was perfect. Rory's, it's just like... a little
0: family <laughs> moment. <laughs> Her look of disgust. Yeah. <laughs> this mm-hmm. was the perfect gazebo moment because this episode does have some other pretty good moments... But a lot of it is also just kind of like sad in a way. Yeah, I guess, you know. Or heavy. Yeah. Yeah. So this yeah, this was a great opening. <laughs> um, so after the this cold opening, we still are at Friday Night Dinner and we get a bit of information, some context about what's been going on for Richard and Emily. And so Lorelai has asked Richard how retirement is going. And it sounds like he has just kind of been following Emily around, noticing things about her, and Lorelai picks up on the fact that Emily is just kind of, like, avoid avoiding eye contact, and she just doesn't look very happy about all this. But um, Richard seems to be okay at this point. He seems kind of excited. He takes Rory off to look at some books. I wrote down Flaubert... I'm not sure that I spelled it right, and I don't know what that is. I should have looked it up. (laughs) It's very, it's
1: French, you know, it's like F-L-A-U-B-E-R-T, even though you don't say
0: the earth. (laughs) Yeah, I wrote F-L-O-B-E-R-T, Mm (laughs) Robert.
1: It's somebody that I've heard of but have not read before. But he's got a first edition so they're very like book nerding out. They leave (laughs) the table (laughs) making room for Lorelai to kind of ask Emily about how she's been like flinching through this whole conversation about Richard's retirement. I actually felt like this was a rather lovely scene between the two of them where though Lorelai has to pry a little bit then Emily opens up and leans on her and Lorelai gives her some advice which we do not often Mm -hmm. see yet um that's more of like a Rory Lorelai thing so I feel like their relationship is continuing to evolve and Lorelai's advice here is good she's saying you just need to find a new routine Mm -hmm. or rhythm um and they do not achieve that within this episode but (laughs) (laughs) overall I think it's very sound advice coming from Lorelai who's never really experienced anything like that either so I don't know I thought it was wise of her
0: yeah, I wonder if it's a similar feeling to having a kid mm-hmm. suddenly on summer break or something. <laughs> Except yeah, then yeah. you're responsible for them. It was a good sentiment. <laughs> Too mm-hmm. bad it didn't work out.
1: Moving forward the next day or, you know, a, a day close in the future, we open up at Chilton with Rory in Paris and a Franklin meeting. And things are... You know, tension is running high here because Paris has heard about this Oppenheimer Prize for a student newspaper, and she is very intent, we should say, on winning this. Uh, she wants to make the other people feel the pain. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's one of um, her best lines. The Yeah. I want to yeah. be those people. I want to cause that pain. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think Madeline or Louise says, like, who cares? It's not like the prize is a lifetime of rice aroni, which I thought (laughs) would be, yeah, a great prize. (laughs) Um, And this scene also made me think about the Rory and Paris dynamic at the newspaper again. We talked about this a bit before. Um, And here I was feeling like, you know, Paris is really kind of, intimidating them really like lecturing them kind of trying to scare them into performing well Mm -hmm. and then Rory sort of follows this up by saying okay like we have a week let's take time to brainstorm a theme sort of more calm and collected about it and it made me think of them as like rather than saying Rory is the better editor though you could make that argument I was also like there's space here to make a claim for like a Team dynamic between mm-hmm. the two of them, like good cop, bad cop, in a sense. Like, I know it happens later at Yale, but I thought this was a- another potential model for the way if they were co editors or had like a little publishing house in an alternate universe, like I could see how them working together would make both of them better at what they do, you know?
0: Yeah, that's that's so cool. I'm just getting a vision of them running a publishing house, and t- uh, Paris would be the one who makes all the deals and, (laughs) like, makes sure that everybody's getting the best, the most money and all of that, Mm -hmm. and then Rory's the one who actually coordinates people, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because she is definitely showing her leadership skills here. Yeah.
1: It's like the, um, like, Paris could be, like, the director of the press, and Mm -hmm. Rory could be, like, the editor-in-chief, in a sense. And it would probably take Paris a while to learn to, like, delegate and allow (laughs) Rory to have that functioning authority, but Mm -hmm. I think it could be cool. They could publish Jess's book.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I bet after college, like, once they've kind of passed that hurdle and learned that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff about themselves, they'd be able to work better as a team without having the Paris kind of always pushing to be the one on top. Yeah, yeah. You know she obviously is here <laughs> that's a lifelong struggle for her <laughs> um after this we're back at the gilmore's house and emily is kind of getting ready for her day she's planning out all the things she needs to do and she's drinking a cup of coffee and richard comes in and um asks her is this the same cup of coffee that she had earlier she says, no, it's a new cup. <laughs> and he makes the astute observation that, oh, she has three cups of coffee in the morning, which is fine as an observation. But then he sits down. He's like, it's an awful lot of co- coffee to have in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell that this is has been happening. Like this isn't the first time he's made an observation coupled with a judgment. And Emily is just kind of going out of her mind. Um, mm hmm. So she eventually finds a solution for the day, which is sending Richard to the club, which I'm kind of surprised that he hadn't already been doing. I thought that was kind of what retired people of their means do. (laughs) (laughs) Just go and like Mm -hmm. play bridge or something at the
1: club. I don't know. Right. Right. (laughs) His comment later on about like, how has it come to this? Like, I'm just, you know, at the club at 3 p.m. on a weekday makes me think perhaps he'd been either consciously or subconsciously resisting doing that activity to kind of like accept that this is his fate for the foreseeable future but i agree like it seems like an environment he would enjoy um But instead, he's like offering to go along to the dry cleaners, her D.A.R. meeting, her symphony (laughs) luncheon. And Emily is just like, I need some space. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, And she shoos him out the door and she's like, I need more coffee now. It really made me think that she is a Gilmore girl, you know, like Lorelai and Rory are the coffee drinkers that everyone knows of. But here we find that it runs deeper to Emily as Mm -hmm. well. (laughs) It's in the blood. She just Mm -hmm. drinks
0: it out of a fancier cup. (laughs)
1: Yeah, like a china
0: tea yeah, cup. It looked like probably has like French roast rather than Folgers or something. <laughs> mm-hmm, Yeah. <laughs> so later that same
1: day, we pick up with Rory and Lorelai that night at the Stars Hollow Video Store, and I couldn't really make sense of what the purpose of the scene was until it comes up again later on in the episode, but. At this point, it just kind of seems like a fun little rambling visit for them picking out like a marathon of movies. They reference a ton of titles that I don't know many of
0: them. (laughs) One of them is my Rory's bookshelf, um, Harold and Maude, which is a weird movie i think it was it's from the 70s maybe um but it's one of my favorite movies and for Mm. some strange reason my sister and i watched it a lot in high school but it's a love story i suppose the the main male character is maybe 20 ish or so and he's got a morbid mind he the movie starts out with him supposedly he's been finding all sorts of different ways to fake his death and freak out his family and so it just goes through all these weird scenes of him faking his death like in pretty gruesome ways and then he meets this woman who's probably about 80 or so and <laughs> uh, at a f- funeral i think um and she's like a ray of sunshine and like the opposite of him and they fall in love and they have this love story Um, and it's a weird, weird movie, (laughs) but it's really good. Sounds like it. (laughs) It's got a a lot of themes about like life and how to live life to the fullest and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Just with a kind of grim macabre background. (laughs) It's all about (laughs) balance. Yeah. (laughs) I love that movie. Light and dark.
1: (laughs) Well, nice. Did they pick that one in the end or no? I
0: don't think so. I don't remember what they actually did pick.
1: As they are selecting, though, Rory walks by these two young boys and they are looking at a movie called Call Girls. And it has like a picture of a naked lady on the front, basically. <laughs> and Rory observes this and tells it to Kirk later on. And Kirk says, Oh, let me go look at that. <laughs> like, weird. implying, yeah, he wants to go. He says, Is it a blonde first or is she a blonde? And I'm like, Okay. Very masculine Mm -hmm. sexual energy going on here. (laughs) But, I mean, I also have to mention, I love, of course, the running joke that Kirk is the employee at this (laughs) video store that we've never seen before. The front of the set, like the front of the store they showed looked very stars hollow, but then on the inside, it did not. Mm -hmm. This was like a very random set. And then later on when they show it again, it seemed like the set had changed too. It was odd, but it felt very much like, oh, we need a video store for this plot line (laughs) in this one episode and you're never going to see it again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, which is strange. I feel like a video store in Stars Hollow should be a staple because they have movie nights all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. So maybe we 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 will see
1: it again. I don't know. I
0: don't remember it. And apparently
1: Dean's dad... Has a stereo shop a couple blocks away? Like, where is mm-hmm. that? Yeah. How is that business functioning? Like, only selling stereo? I don't know. Yeah. Is it like
0: a Radio Shack type thing? Mm, must be. Yeah. Maybe it is. <laughs> but, um, I thought it was kind of, I don't know, Rory bringing this up to Kirk. I think it had the best intentions, and. Probably if you were bringing this up to a sensible employee, it would be a good thing to do, like, maybe have things with more risque covers on higher shelves. That makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Or also have things, like, in sections based off of their rating. That makes a lot of sense to me. You don't need to have them, like, sectioned off by a curtain, but at least then if you see kids over in the R-rated movies, you can be like, get out of there, you know. But... <laughs> But at the same time, I don't know, she she could have just picked it up and moved it. It didn't seem like there was organization there. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I am critiquing her. I think I agree with what she did. But obviously, Kirk and Tyler, uh, Taylor took it a, a little bit out of control.
1: Yeah, yeah. But before we get to that part of the storyline, the other major thing that happens in the scene is when Lorelai steps out to take a phone call And Emily is on the phone in desperation. Like, I don't think I've seen her with such manic energy before. Maybe, like, when she was trying to bring out all this stuff for Trix's visit. Oh, yeah. That was pretty wild. But um, she's, like, basically saying... The thing that, like, the straw... The final straw for her was Richard saying he's going to join her water aerobics (laughs) class. And he's bought swim trunks. Which is (sighs) hilarious. Um, And she's like... Lorelai if you don't help me I'll take you with I'll take you out with me I don't know she's like threatening her <laughs> she's saying you owe me I you I helped pay for Rory and for the loan and I know we had like the co-signing of the loan I mean and last time we like debated like oh would she have held that over her will she moving forward etc and she's kind of doing that yeah. here but it's so like not it's not like really serious like I think it's like, the way they play it is, like, she's just been driven to this point mm-hmm. by Richard. I think it was pretty funny. And she immediately kind of like, I would do anything for a day of peace. And once Lorelai agrees, she's like, you don't know how much I appreciate this. It's very, like, high and low energy going on here. And I don't know. I thought it was a good scene.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was the perfect example of, like, calling in favors. <laughs> because, yeah, I... I I definitely don't think she was serious, seriously calling them in. Like, she wouldn't take Chilton away if Lorelai didn't take Richard for a day. Or she wouldn't, like, walk back her co-signing of the loan. It was just, like, she was looking for anything to convince her. Which is, it's kind of sad. I kind of wish that she had just talked to Richard bluntly about, like, you know... You need to find some of your own friends now. (laughs) Find your own activities to do. (sighs) I don't know. Yeah,
1: but that has to happen
0: next episode, you know. First we need
1: some shenanigans.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So we wake up the next morning and right off the bat I have my Lorelai's closet for Lorelei's outfit just because it's not something I really like, but it's something that is I just like is so connected with Lorelei in my mind. And it's a purple kind of lilac uh, dress shirt with a ruffled bib on the front. (laughs) And it definitely seems like something that is meant to be worn under a jacket that closes and then like the ruffles would just pop out or something, not left on its own because then it just looks random. But it is very Lorelai-ish, like business and... Frilly at the same time, I guess, <laughs> and showy. Um, she's attempting to get uh, Rory to stay at home and to skip school because Laura is afraid to be alone with her father for a whole day. Which, as we see, like she has reason to be worried about it. I think. <laughs> um, but Richard arrives, and it's a very awkward greeting. Rory takes off for school, of course, and then Richard and Lorelai just kind of sit there. Eventually, they start reading the paper, um, and it's just kind of weird. It's like, I don't know, there's a difference between having, like, visiting somebody, especially when it's planned, like, a couple-day visit or something, and usually you have, like, activities planned or you take the day off of work. But this just like Lorelai babysitting Richard for a day is just so painful.
1: (laughs) I feel like it was very transparent Mm -hmm. what Lorelai was doing and Richard brings that up at the end of the episode and I'm almost surprised that he starts off the day like rather cordial and in a good mood uh, because I wouldn't I don't I would be annoyed if I was like (laughs) My wife and my daughter kind of, like, having me be babysat, essentially, as this newly retired person. I thought it did get off to a good start, though. After, like, the awkward greeting, Richard says, um, like, what would you normally do? Let's just go, like, go about your day. So they, she's like, I guess I'd read the paper, and they split it up based on, like, the sections they both want to read, and they sit there, and I thought it was, like, very, like, sweet and companionable and it's like oh maybe this will go fine maybe they can kind of just coexist about the day and they go to Luke's and it's still going kind of well like Richard is telling her a story about like a horrible diner that he loved and misses from mm-hmm. his college days it's so like total dad reminiscing like they just love to be able to tell you true. <laughs> all about their memories you know so it's like hey if this is the day like it's gonna go fine and then with the whole grapefruit is brain food kind of lecture um that's when i think things take a turn and it's you know kind of a premonition of what is to come what the whole like theme of the day will be which is like richard knows best Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and the last thing i would say about that scene at luke's like as they're sitting there is that luke like, she goes up to him to say, can I get a half of grapefruit so I can shut my dad up, basically? And he's like, I don't... I've never had grapefruit. And he offers to go over to the store and buy a grapefruit for Lorelai so that she can, like, appease her dad. And it's just like, who would do that? Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, who
0: would do that?
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, if you need- It's kind of incredible, but also, like, mind-blowing at the same time.
0: Yeah, if she's still... I'm just... she. How can she possibly still not realize that he's in love with her? Like, mm-hmm. why else would you do that for somebody? I mean, Doses do- is just next door, but still. But he's, like, running
1: <laughs> a diner. Yeah, and it's busy. You know? He doesn't. He's just leaving.
0: <laughs> he doesn't really get along with Taylor that well, either. Yeah. That's going to be a
1: conversation, <laughs> probably.
0: Like, why are you here buying one grapefruit? And Lorelai could have gone and gotten one. I don't know. I think it, we also get kind of another glimpse of why Richard is so stir crazy it's because he wakes up he still wakes up at five thirty am yeah, so then by like seven o'clock in the morning he's done all of his morning routine stuff and then it's just like you have the whole day just yawning out in front of you like just mm. sleep in Richard just sleep in until <laughs> seven and things will be better. <laughs>
1: The scene also ends with the same line that you pointed out um, when he was talking to Emily. Mm-hmm. He observes Lorelai as well on her, I believe it was third cup of coffee, and says, "That's a lot of coffee first thing in the morning." <laughs> so, like mother, like daughter, in a sense here,
0: mm-hmm. it's true. <laughs> so we'll come back to Richard and Lorelai, but we go to Chilton oh. and. Paris accosts Rory as she often does and mm-hmm. she has an idea for a story for the Franklin that she's that's going to be like the front page um I forget what she calls it exactly but like personal interest uh a human interest yeah, human story. Interest, yeah. and it's going to be writing about the seedy underbelly of Stars Hollow which she believes exists And she wants to uncover it and have this big, like, expose type of article for the Franklin.
1: (laughs) It was such, like, an oddly specific idea Mm -hmm. that it felt like, where is this coming from? It really felt like the opposite of what I try to tell my students to do. Like, she's going in with the thesis statement, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. there is a seedy underbelly in Star's Hollow, and I will find it. And I will... She's really going to... She's, like, confirmation... She's going to have huge confirmation bias anytime she sees anything in the town. Like, (laughs) start with a research question first, Paris. Like... (laughs) Yeah. Like, Uh, what
0: is so charming about small-town life?
1: mm, Or,
0: you know... Or not. Is there something... (laughs) We don't know about small town life. <laughs> you know, so anything what extent is there? No, <laughs> yeah.
1: But what if this is also just Paris's way of wanting to hang out with Rory? <laughs> she didn't want to admit, like, hey, let's hang out after school. <laughs> so she came up with a really big way to, you know, go to Star's Hollow to hang out. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. She's done similar things in the past. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Yeah, this is an excuse to go to Stars Hollow, so we'll hook up back with them again later. We're just jumping Mm -hmm. back and forth until we get to um, the evening, I guess. But back Mm -hmm. at the inn, I commiserated with Michelle so much in this instance. He's just Mm -hmm. on the phone with a guest saying, I understand. I understand. I understand. Mm -hmm. And I think I've said it before, but I've worked the front desk of hotels before and that is half of the job is just being on the phone saying like, yeah, I, yes, I understand. I understand. Mm-hmm. I understand. And Trying not to start sounding like passive aggressive or anything because yeah. people are just ridiculous. He's speaking yeah. in a very mechanical voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I guess it placates the people because. Yeah, it's they, like devoid of all
1: up. emotion, good <laughs> or bad. Yeah.
0: <laughs> He's a pro. What can we say? <laughs> Then we get the big problem for the day at the inn, which is that there are, their linen delivery hasn't shown up, so they don't have tablecloths or towels for any of the rooms, which is a pretty big deal, especially the towels. Yeah. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't not have towels. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lorelai, like very adeptly, lists off some solutions for the moment until they can get their linen delivery. And I thought mm. it really showed her like. We've seen her before as just, like, a really good manager, and this is another instance of that. Yeah,
1: there's some impressive Mm problem-solving.
0: She's just so capable
1: at what she does, which really, like, frames what is to come. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think appropriately, like, we, we get the evidence. Once again, like, we know Lorelai is good at her job, and so when... Richard kind of comes in and subtly and not so subtly like undermines her authority and knowledge. I feel like we're very much aligned with Lorelai in Mm -hmm. this of like, (laughs) she knows what she's doing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Richard does arrive, which is the second problem of the day. He has already taken the tour of town that Lorelai suggested. And he has gone in the cat store at least twice. Yeah, good job. And had... Yeah, <laughs> had Babette introduce him to all her gnomes, amongst other things, and he's seen it all. So now he's here to kind of just like shadow her even more. And in theory, I th- this could have gone a different way. Like he could have been there, witnessed what she does, and then admired her. Mm-hmm. Like in a way, that's what Emily did. You know, when Emily saw her organize and run the like fashion show event, mm-hmm. even though Emily said like I told you so, she also had that paired with like admiration and respect for Lorelai but Richard does not have that here amongst other things he brings up the shirt that you nominated for your Lorelai's closet asking where the jacket is like you mentioned and then being like does your boss mind and of course Lorelai is like I am my own boss and no (laughs) I, I don't mind and that's just like the very beginning of the sort of judgmental comments he makes mm-hmm. throughout the work day and after
0: yeah i thought it was also a very sexist way to start it all off mm-hmm. um which i think is kind of an undertone in a lot of his critiques is he he has yeah. like this extreme patriarchal kind of persona and he he doesn't even notice that he's doing it probably but he is undermining all the women <laughs> specifically mm-hmm. in his life and like pointing yeah. out, like critiquing her clothes as the first thing is such a problem that women have to deal with in workplaces. And it's just like unnecessary.
1: I think that's a good thing to point out the kind of sexism underlying so much of his critiques. Because up to this point, when Richard starts to become like especially annoying, I was kind of reminiscing on how much I like really enjoy Richard actually. Mm-hmm especially at the start when he was so, like, energized by retirement. I thought it was so funny that he was commenting on, like, Emily moved the vase, Emily got a new haircut, (laughs) and, like, I don't know, there's so many kind of endearing qualities about him early on in this episode that are quickly overshadowed by the not-so-endearing. But it's, like, kind of the opposite of what makes him so likable, which is sort of, like, the grandfatherly lovingness The flip side of that is like paternalism, Mm -hmm. you know, and the whole like condescension of being like I'm the older masculine figure. You are all like my women and I can like guide you and educate you and all these things. And it's like she doesn't need that. She does. She really doesn't. Like he's really mansplaining, to use a more common, a more contemporary term, how to run an inn when it's like she knows how to do yeah, that. Yeah, he you doesn't. You were even in. Yeah, you were in insurance. Yeah.
0: He has no idea how to do customer service. He talks with clients, yes, but that's completely different than hospitality work.
1: Yeah, and it's like his idea of professionalism is what he's trying to impart on her, like how to dress, how to have a phone call. When it's like, you know what worked for you and what was considered acceptable within your own workplace, what got things done. But this is an entirely different world and realm and someone else's authority and way of doing things. And he just had no respect for that whatsoever.
0: Yeah, it's disappointing. (laughs) I know. (laughs) We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. There's nothing like a movie night. But who
1: wants to Netflix and chill anymore? Why not go vintage and stop by Stars Hollow Video? When you leave streaming behind, our store is the right one for you. And here's
0: why. You might have noticed the picture of a young schoolgirl in our window and wondered what that was all about. Well, it's a sign of our newest and most notable store feature, the Rory Curtain. Named after a brave town hero, the curtain separates the regular movies from the morally objectionable ones according to our town's judgment police, Taylor Dosey. You can feel safe browsing with your children
1: through reliably sanitized choices like Bambi and Dumbo. Sure, there might not be many more movies now that almost our entire catalog is behind the curtain, but doesn't the surplus of endless choices on Netflix overwhelm you anyways? Here at Stars Hollow Video, not only have we helpfully narrowed your options, we've made your choices
0: about what is acceptable for you. You might have large concerns about censorship in small towns, but perhaps we can appeal to you with our special offer for listeners of Talking Fast. When you check out with the code Fast, you will get a buy one, get one 50% off rental coupon, along with a complimentary permanent laminated membership card. Stop by today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? although I could nominate most of what Richard is doing for the rest of the episode. Yeah. But what comes next is, so... Oh, we might have the same. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. So um, we're, we pick back up with Rory and Paris, and they've just gotten off the bus, and Paris is going on about how she feels, like, gritty, you know, like she's mm-hmm. um, dirty now or something. And my Friday night dinner is, like, the very obvious classism that's happening here yeah and i think also like you can never erase like separate classism from racism because they're Mm -hmm. always connected especially in american life and she's looking for this seedy underbelly which really (laughs) what she means by that is where's the poor part of town Where's the poor part of town and where's the part of town where the most people of color are likely to mm. live? Joke's on you, Paris. You're not going to find <laughs> that in sars <laughs> And once she finds that, then of course she's going to find the place with the most crime and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, Paris, I, I, so much of what she's doing is funny because of her intensity yeah. and her like misguidedness, but it's also just yeah. like, I wish <laughs> Rory would Rory probably doesn't recognize what's happening but I wish she would call Paris out on it like she calls Paris out on- by mm-hmm. saying that there is no seedy underbelly but I don't think she understands neither of them understand what what the implications of that are and Paris had started out when she was explaining
1: her idea for the story she was talking about like specifically city slickers to Mm -hmm. use her term (laughs) moving to small towns for like a more peaceful life and the white picket fence and all of that um so in a way what she was originally talking about the seediness almost sounds like what do they call that because of course people have to like classify like is that white collar crime oh yeah or whatever she's talking about like middle class people and their secrets and all of that but then when she arrives she's like it's the more stereotypical assumptions about like crime and areas of town and whatnot so there's like mixed messages going on here but they're all bad yeah <laughs> but to like piggyback a bit I also was picking this as my Friday night dinner critique um thinking about how sheltered Paris is truly classism like you said um and I'm glad you point out that they're like part of this isn't a like a large part of this is not really called out by rory in the episode or just the episode in general but i think so like the extent to which paris is supposed to be presented to us is like mm-hmm. rather sheltered and naive and ignorant in this moment i think is there because mm-hmm. she has all of these lines that we recognize as really ridiculous she's saying like I think I've got, I mean, it's just so annoying. I almost don't even want to repeat that because it's like, I take the bus constantly, get yeah. over it, Paris. But she's like, oh, I've got rabies. I'll have to burn my clothes. Is something crawling in my hair. Um, it smelled. Um, it really took me back, actually, to the scene um, with the yard sale when Madeline and Louise were trying mm-hmm. on the different donated clothes and Paris implied that they shouldn't be putting on used clothes because, like, who knows where they've been or they're dirty or whatever. And it just makes me so annoyed by her when overall I usually really love Paris. And she's just got a lot of room to grow, which is part of what can be appealing about a character in the long run. But she's just so freaking sheltered (laughs) by complaining about public
0: transportation
1: when it's like, I don't, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you're taking the bus to Stars Hollow of all places. Like, get over
0: it. And she has a car so a BMW. Yeah. yeah. So she's <laughs> she's like a prime example of like the people who choose to like be homeless for a week or something to see what it's like and you know mm-hmm. like uh experience what other people go through like as kind of a um yeah as an experience and as like an optics moment like this is something mm-hmm. I did look at how enlightened I am now. <laughs> yeah. It's very like voyeuristic. Yeah.
1: And then she's going to go write an article about it, so, like, turn other people's experiences into an object that she gets to own, and, I mean, I don't think they sell the paper for money, (laughs) but, like, she could just make money off of this. she'll get the prestige. (laughs) Yeah, maybe win a prize, and, Mm -hmm. yeah, so, not cool Paris, not cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think she, a lot of what she is here for is the comedic effect with what comes Mm -hmm. next, but... It is yeah. just, like, disappointing in Paris. And mm-hmm. also, especially with pa- Paris at this point in her character arc, it's totally in line. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, it's not it's not very surprising, unfortunately. <laughs> so once they've gotten off the bus, they go into Luke's. Paris is, like, rushing in there. She goes straight to the bar, and she starts to um, interrogate Luke about um, prostitution and drug dealers, which I think <laughs> is also just, like, Come on, Paris.
1: Yeah, this is where, like, her naivete is funny because she thinks diners, as she says, are like the hotbed for this stuff. (laughs) When it's like the truth could not be, her conception of what a diner is could not be further. Like, truckers in Stars Hollow, she's thinking. Yeah. It's like, that's not even at all what this place is. They probably
0: don't even have roads that are graded for semi-trucks. No, definitely not. They just got a traffic light, like, a few Gosh, episodes ago. That's true. <laughs> but, so I guess all my moments are kind of loaded into this section right here because I have my Jess Sass Oh, do SAS no. oh, <laughs> you too?
1: I do too. Uh, this there weren't... scene as a whole is my Stars Hollow moment. Oh, nice. Um. Okay.
0: Yeah but continue. <laughs> so I'll just do the dress sass attack real quick and then you can mm. take over. So the lion I picked Jess comes down and he's like listening to what Paris is saying and he says I'm an innocent boy uh, or an innocent boy like me shouldn't be raised in an atmosphere like this I want to be good but life is not letting me. And he, he was just <laughs> like so sincere and sarcastic throughout it and that was, mm-hmm. that was just a great moment. A good. We barely got to see Jess this episode but is a great yeah <laughs> example of his sassiness. Yeah. That was actually
1: my sass attack as well. Um uh, because it was such a perfect line. You know, he's so quick. Like he just walks out and hears Paris immediately say, like, where did he come from? Do you keep the girls up there? Like again, thinking somehow this is like a den for prostitution. And just like doesn't he just thinks second in a second and plays along and makes a really funny comment to like get under Luke's skin. But as a whole, this scene was my Star's Hollow moment just because it was so fun. So Star's Hollow yet also paired with like Paris's extreme misunderstanding of Star's Hollow. That was really funny. And Luke's like apprehension of Paris and it's just like, <laughs> what is happening? Who is this person? He asked for like, how much do you like this person? Because he wants to like yell at her, you know, and Roy says, do what you got to do. <laughs> They're all just like, tired of Paris Jess is playing along and it was just really fun
0: (laughs) yeah I loved it they well Rory tears Paris out of there before Luke can I don't know throw something at her I don't know he would have done (laughs) probably just continue to be indignant yeah yeah (laughs) yeah probably Jess would have continued to get involved and it would have devolved into some weird weirder scene (laughs) After this, we head back to the inn really quickly, and so they're still dealing with the missing linen delivery, and um, Richard comes in and says, you know, there are no tablecloths on the tables, as if Lorelai wouldn't know about this. Yeah. (laughs) And then she gets a call from Manny, the linen delivery guy, and she deals with it well. Like, she obviously has worked with this person for a long time. Knows how to talk to them, knows how to get what she needs out of them. And so she <laughs> negotiates. She is flirty and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of double entendres all over the place like we've seen her do before. But the, like, the main thing is she gets what needs, what she needs for the business. And it's clear that they have this business relationship and it's not just her acting like this to some random person.
1: Yeah, they have, like, a rapport. Mm-hmm. And it's her style, like, would I be so flirty? No, but, like, that's Lorelai, and Mm -hmm. she's not inappropriate. We don't get the sense that Manny is uncomfortable with it, so it's like, yeah. Yeah. And we're defending Lorelai, of course, because of (laughs) Richard's criticism shortly
0: after. (sighs) Yeah, so Richard has still been just hanging out, and the way he's just, like, eavesdropping is so inappropriate. And he, he looks at her with this grim, disappointed father face and asks, mm-hmm. can I speak to you over here, please? And Like he's going to ground yeah, her? Yeah, <laughs> like she's a child and he's like asking her to come over to the corner to talk. Mm-hmm. And he goes off on her about how to conduct a business call and how to be respected by um, your business associates, I guess, and by your employees. And he's doing all this, of course, in front of Michelle And a lobby full of people, we don't see their reactions. They might not hear it, but Michelle obviously does. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of forced to just take it because she is not really in, because she does, she does recognize what is necessary in a place of business. She knows that she can't blow up at her father at this point because that Mm -hmm. would be unprofessional. So she just kind of like uh, says, oh, all right. You can tell if she's really unhappy about it. Um, And she just kind of takes his criticisms, which are all ridiculous, and show that he has no idea what he's talking about in this particular setting. And then Michelle, of course, is having the time of his life watching this in the background.
1: Yeah. Like, Lorelei really grins and bears it during this conversation, and you have to, like, applaud her for that. She has a lot of willpower, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I don't always associate. Lorelai is the one with willpower. Sometimes I think of her as the one who will, like, lash out in an emotion, like, the heat of a moment, uh, like, especially with Emily. But she's really, really doing her best to, like, not get into an argument right now or just even, like, get through the day. Mm-hmm. Like, she's doing a favor to Richard and Emily right now. And it's like she's getting nothing and
0: nothing back for it except judgment and critique, you know. after this, he says, "Now go back to work, I'll be right over there if you need me. He's still talking to a child like it's I think yeah. we've we've seen this in maybe season one. I can't remember the exact instances, but we've kind of seen Richard like struggling with the idea of Lorelei as a grown woman. <laughs> Who mm-hmm. has is completely capable in her own life, and this is such a clear example. Like he still sees her as a little child, yeah, and can't can't understand how her mind is working as an adult. You know,
1: mm-hmm. wow. So like, that made me think um, about how maybe there's like something to that of him seeing her as a child because that's like when he knew her, when he was involved uh, in her yeah. life. And he didn't see her really grow up past 16 or become this professional capable person. So he's like undermining her, yes, but it's maybe perhaps not just about his belief and his like authority, but also just like him not clearly seeing because he didn't like witness it. Like you normally would see your kid go through like developmental stages and progress as an adult and whatnot. And he is maybe just seeing her at 16 because that's like, the last version he knew and he's still getting accustomed to this current version of Lorelai which is proving difficult because he's like undermining it actively
0: yeah I kind of feel like we saw a similar thing with Emily especially in the beginning but they've kind of seemed to work past it like Emily Mm -hmm. has kind of come to the realization that Lorelei is a full adult (laughs) but Richard is still not there yet
1: I think Richard throughout this episode is mirroring a lot of the work that Emily and Lorelai have gone through in earlier seasons. And it's like now that he is retired, he's actually engaging in the family more. Like Mm -hmm. he has been that more aloof off on off in the business world type (laughs) who hasn't been engaging. And Emily has been doing a lot of that like interpersonal work. And now he's trying and like failing, (laughs) Mm -hmm. really. Um, And like. I don't know. I think at the end he makes a good point about how he's never been invited by Lorelai ever and he can't think of a reason she would until now as a favor. But it's also like, have you ever put in that effort either? So (laughs) like,
0: have you ever invited Lorelai to go, I don't know, out to lunch or something or Mm. go to the club for the afternoon? (laughs) Like it it goes. It's a two-way street. exactly. (sighs) But... After this depressing scene, we are back around town. And this is my Star's Hollow moment. So Rory and Paris <laughs> yeah. are still going around. Paris is still looking for her CD underbelly. <laughs> and Taylor comes up. And he's been looking for Rory because they have something to show her. Um, he's talking about kids kids these days being all willy-nilly with their clothes and their hair which I just thought was hilarious because this is like the mid 2000s (laughs) which was like the beginning of kind of the emo (laughs) period which obviously we don't see at all in stars hollow but
1: (laughs) right like who is he observing Bro, he has like (laughs) just straight middle part hair yeah
0: and lane hasn't even dyed her hair and dyed it back again yet (laughs) Mm -hmm. but they go into the video store and they are presented with the Rory Curtain. Um, they've put all questionable titles or things that Taylor and Kirk have decided are potentially questionable behind this curtain, which leaves maybe like a handful of movies out in front. It seems like they get stricter and stricter as the day goes on. Paris is very excited about this. She starts taking notes and she wants to talk, write her article about small town minds run amok <laughs> <laughs> and Rory, on the other hand, is very upset that she is now the face of censorship mm-hmm. in the small town. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it was humorous and it made the earlier scene make a lot of sense to me in a new way. And then, and like, I know it's meant to be funny that Paris starts to like make a story about this, but that's actually like the dark side of Stars Hollow that yeah. she is picking up on. Like... There actually is something there that we have discussed of like, oh, it's a bit surveillance-y, oh, Taylor has a power thing, or oh, they don't allow outsiders in, or all of these like other power dynamics and stuff. And it's like this whole little scene about censoring videos and what Taylor deems to be morally all right for a movie, is mm-hmm. like that's actually a story there <laughs> that we have been
0: telling ourselves. Yeah, that's so true, yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. I wonder what Paris's story ended up being like, whether it talked about stuff like that or whether it was, I don't know, more sensationalist. I'm sure it was sensationalist. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so so after this scene where we go to uh, Lorelai and Rory's house, um, and finally Lorelai has some relief that Rory is back and she can entertain her father, Um, Mm -hmm. one of the things I noted most about like the entrance here is when Rory takes Richard into her bedroom and they start, I really liked her book organization to start off with having like secret Mm -hmm. piles of books is, Mm -hmm. it reminded me a lot of Lane and it made me wonder whether they've like talked about how to, (laughs) uh, hide. I mean, Rory doesn't have to hide her books, but how to Mm -hmm. like have all these books and CDs and stuff everywhere.
1: Yeah, that was actually my Rory's bookshelf was <laughs> the literal bookshelf itself and the like innovative and creative ways of storing all of your overflow mm-hmm. from your bookshelves. Like I'm constantly getting more bookshelves <laughs> from like secondhand stores and stuff. And then I still end up with piles of books. Like I don't know where they all come from. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do. Obviously, <laughs> I buy them and from the library. But um, I just really enjoyed her like of course we know reading is an integral part of her character but just seeing the like visible evidence of like the different kind of maybe not necessarily eccentric but like the fact that yeah she has them in like a dresser and she has them on the floor by her bed and the bookshelf and this really throws off Richard who thinks they should be all like properly stored on shelves and whatnot and it just shows like Rory's own flavor of reading her approach to it and like the way that you store your books actually says a bit about you as a reader mm-hmm. I feel like it's like a personal taste um like alphabet or <laughs> color or where do you put them like all the spines right out or do you have like little display I don't know it's just I like seeing it and it made me think about my own book collection you know and how yeah so how do
0: you organize your bookshelves <laughs>
1: Um, I have like multiple and in different rooms too. I have one dedicated to like nostalgia. So kind of my Uh collections of my YA or kids books. So like Harry Potter, Princess Diaries, Twilight, Hunger Games, Pretty Little Liars, like all of those. (laughs) Then I have a book of like primary texts that I would do research with potentially. Then I have a library book and secondary text shelf. (laughs) <laughs> and then my last one is for like my contemporary fun books that I put out in the living room because I'm like anyone who visits my house who are, who's just the casual non-academic those would be the books that they might recognize but mm-hmm. I actually ran out of so much room that my library book and theory like scholarship book is out in the living room too oh, so no. if they look at that one they might be like, oh my gosh what is this all about
0: <laughs> intimidated by the like 2000 page book
1: <laughs> yeah like the Norton anthologies are out yeah. there that's for sure <laughs>
0: how about okay. you uh mine is kind of similar I have like in my office I have all of my medieval primary sources and secondary sources and I have like a separate bookshelf just of library books and they're all so now <laughs> all behind me because I keep getting more I know and then I have all my like I guess I also have a couple of shelves of like nostalgia stuff and then all my fantasy and sci-fi books and I am always super proud when I get to put another I have all my books that I haven't read laying flat so I can't Mm. escape them and it always (laughs) makes me very proud when I get to stand another book up Mm. that's that's a cool that's a cool way almost
1: like a to-do list yeah (laughs) I usually go by Alphabet, Mm -hmm. but recently, my partner and I rearranged my, like, fun contemporary books for Rainbow, which I've never done before. Some people are very judgmental of organizing your books by (laughs) color because they think that's so, like, superficial, superficial, um, and, like, aesthetic over the whole, like, value of uh, uh, logical or, you know, kind of organization or whatever. And I was like, like what you like, of course, and if you want your books to look pretty, who cares? Like, yeah, they're I'm... just
0: books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I honestly don't have any organization system except to put all uh, all books by a certain author together. That's about mm-hmm. as far as I go. I, I do maybe designate a shelf, like, based on the genre, but that's about it. I, I'm not very ambitious, but I like the rainbow idea. I've seen some, yeah. like tiktoks and stuff where people have done that and it always looks so cool Anyway, okay
1: well we'll end our rory's bookshelf tangent if you can't tell you know this is one reason we like rory at this point mm-hmm. you know like we <laughs> identify with this whole reading obsession or life passion yeah maybe
0: <laughs> but we also see the harvard wall which i think is a mm. big thing for richard we see like all the different harvard paraphernalia that they've picked up and Rory explains how they've been collecting it forever. And Richard just kind of tables this for later. <laughs> he doesn't bring yeah. it up bring it up with Rory, which is good. I feel
1: like this shows how like out of the picture Richard has been. Because mm-hmm. like, hasn't everyone heard about their Harvard? Like Emily's heard about their Harvard obsession. Like yeah. she saw the pictures. It's like, where have you been, Richard? They're of course they love Harvard.
0: That's so true. He was yeah. He was on a business meeting for that friday night dinner after their harvard trip Mm -hmm. he's got a lot to catch up on (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so they start to order food richard of course has more to say about their food ordering habits which is unappreciated
1: wastefulness and gluttony
0: (laughs) completely unnecessary for a man who has a cook and he
1: and he criticizes them ordering so much and lorelei's response is that they like to have choices and then later on he criticizes them for only picking Harvard and says, Roy
0: needs choices. Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: it's so hypocritical. Which one is it, man?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also liked, like, it's not wasteful. They were talking about how they eat the leftovers and everything. It's not like they order all this food and toss out everything. Or eat it all in one night. Like, yeah. sometimes it seems like they do, yeah. but... <laughs> and I guess we have seen them cleaning out the fridge, but that happens to everybody where you just forget about mm-hmm. things. <laughs> Richard then kind of corners Lorelai in the living room and this is where things really come to a head. He mm-hmm. starts talking to Lorelai about how Rory shouldn't be focused on just one school. Um and he really thinks that she should be considering Yale, of course, because that's his alma mater. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved uh and he he was talking about how he can help Rory get into Yale. And who could help Rory get into Harvard? Lorelai's response was, Reese Witherspoon can help with that. And this is a great <laughs> Legally Blonde callback. <laughs> Which shouldn't could have been a Rory's bookshelf moment for sure. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think I actually entirely missed that reference. I was so caught up in like the heat of the debate.
0: That's awesome though. I had just recently been watching like a BookTube video of somebody reviewing the Legally Blonde book, so it was on my mind.
1: I see on TikTok, actually, Lee Label on the musical constantly. It's really hot right now. I want to see that. (laughs) And I love that musical, actually. I haven't seen it in person. I've seen a YouTube recording of it, and I listen to the soundtrack a lot. Pirating musicals. Okay. (laughs) I didn't pirate it. Someone else put it on YouTube. I'm allowed to watch it. I'm going to delete this. I don't want the FBI coming for me. (laughs) Uh, uh, Um, Anywho... I do think like Richard's thing here, it's like kind of when Emily brings up stuff where the thing running behind it is Emily is right, you know, and she wants her way. But she says something that kind of makes sense Mm -hmm. on top of that. It's like the same thing happening here. Like Richard's really thinking about like, I know it's best. Yale is best. I can make that happen for Rory. But he's saying, like, she should have options. She shouldn't just think about Harvard. Like, Harvard is hard to get into. I can't, like, who's going to help her? Like, that's a legitimate Mm -hmm. question. And I do actually think she should have choices and options and backup schools, which she does not choose in the end. (laughs) But it's so, it's just like a medium for him to be saying, like, let me make this happen, what I think is right. Um... And it gets, it's like getting heated, and then it's interrupted um, by Dean arriving with the car, which
0: was a surprise <laughs> to me, actually. I was actually yeah. surprised. Yeah, because when, uh, last time we saw this was the episode when he told her, told Lor- uh, Rory that he loved her in season one. Mm-hmm. So it's been ages, which I guess means that he's taken his time working on the car, and that's good. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, he built this car i'm pretty sure he probably just like fixed the motors and stuff because i don't think he physically built this car from the ground up i think it had a Mm -hmm. frame (laughs) (laughs) it's a surprise
1: like it seems like a quick time frame for him to complete the car Mm -hmm. like it looks to be in great condition now and it was like bones before and i feel like they kind of broke up maybe in spring because they get back together like at the end of the school year and now it's winter so like under a year he did all of that for the car and they were broken up for a time was he still working on it like pining after her (laughs) that's true (laughs) i don't know it looks good though like looking at it i trust him Mm -hmm. it looks like a good car to me which is the problem of the scene (laughs) yeah it's
0: kind of like a nice old vintage looking car yeah yeah. but He couldn't have picked worse timing because Richard (laughs) um, is not okay with it. (laughs) And he comes out and Lorelai and Rory are all excited and ready to go for a drive. But Richard says that Rory can't accept it um, because it's why would she accept something that Dean made? Um, It couldn't possibly be safe. (sighs) And he's just so condescending. Again, he's like setting down his patriarchal foot. As if he, mm-hmm. he is the head of this family, no matter what, no matter where he is, he is the one with the last say. And it's just so frustrating because, I don't know, my my parents are grandparents now, and I'm sure if I asked them when they feel like they have a say in their grandkids' lives, they would say only if there's a, an extreme safety problem, like only if the parents can't have a say, basically. Mm-hmm. Um. And here Lorelai's obviously fine with Rory taking the car, so Richard should just, he can have his opinion, but he should just kind of bite his tongue, I think.
1: Yeah. What does Richard even know about cars yeah. anyways? Exactly. are <laughs> oh, you telling me he's ever worked on cars? <laughs> yeah. Against all odds, I feel like Dean handles this fairly well. Mm-hmm. Dean kind of just says, like, I understand where you're coming from. You're concerned for Rory's safety, which I feel like is a very generous reading of Richard's attitude here. Um, And Dean is like, I share that. Like, I want her to be safe. I've worked on cars. My dad has worked on cars. My dad checked this. Gypsy, the mechanic, checked this out. Like, I've kind of, you know, dotted my I's, crossed my T's here. And Richard is not having any of this. And so Dean kind of, like, ups the energy a little bit and kind of, is, like, he's not really a pushover in this moment. I don't think he's, like, too aggressive, but he does kind of, like, challenge Richard here. Like, okay, let's go get it checked out. Like, do you want to drive it? And then they both end up driving their own cars. It gets into a bit of a pissing contest after that, which I don't Mm -hmm. love. But uh, Dean gets in a good jab about, like, Richard's Jaguar. (laughs) And ultimately, I felt like, I, I kind of like that Dean was standing up for himself, mm-hmm. um, especially in comparison to how Richard treated him in the first episode of the season, which comes up in a moment. And so much of Richard's judgment of Dean is unfair. It's mm-hmm. very classist and whatnot, whereas our judgment of Dean is rooted in valuable points <laughs> that we make. So I'm glad that Dean could stand up for himself in regard to you know, Richard's unfair judgment mm-hmm. of him.
0: Yeah, the the way he dealt with this reminded me of the first kiss and tell episode, I think, when Dean comes over for that movie night when, they, when he and Rory have just kissed for the first time and he tells Lorelai that he needs her to like him. And I remember mm. not really liking that he pulled that out at the time because I didn't feel like it was fully necessary, but... At this point it definitely is and he is like yeah showing his gumption mm-hmm. which you know making his opinion heard is not something I think we've ever said he does badly he just he does it <laughs> too much sometimes <laughs> but it yeah it works out here mm-hmm. so they go to gypsies to get the car checked richard insists that they check it over again and again even though Gypsy has already checked it and obviously found nothing wrong with it. That was so annoying to me.
1: Like, you make this whole point about a mechanic, and then when you go find a mechanic, you also don't trust their expertise mm-hmm. statement to you that the car is safe. Yeah. And it was very annoying. I also hated
0: his <laughs> assertion that because he was paying for the service that Gypsy should do whatever he wanted like go Mm -hmm. over it again and again i think that's such like that happens all the time for people in customer service and things like that and it's ridiculous like just because you pay for it doesn't give you leave to treat somebody with no respect (laughs) no respect for their expertise Mm -hmm. no respect for their time it was yeah uncalled for and just like a classist thing i think
1: Mm -hmm. yeah we've seen this behavior with emily before yeah you really see it with richard now that he's finally out in the world
0: like oh yeah he's the same way (laughs) yeah they are a pair i suppose (laughs) um Mm -hmm. but i think dean does a good job again here in this conversation he kind of confronts richard like i know that you don't have a great opinion of me and he also confronts richard for attacking him at that dinner before even that was a
1: good full circle yeah
0: like before even giving dean a chance um so i thought yeah we can give Dean this episode he he does well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they, they
1: kind of come to, like, an agreement of sorts. Like, they seem to be on better terms than before. Not, like, friends or anything, but they're less aggressive, <laughs> at least. Um, and Gypsy arrives and says that, well, like, she broke off the windshield wipers just to find <laughs> something wrong with the car so they'd leave her alone, which I thought was funny. Yeah. And she says... I can't look at this car anymore. I miss my home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is a good example of this is like the first time we're seeing her character, I believe, and I think she's a really fun. Stars Hollow member, so I was glad to see her. Even though before we did start the podcast, we were talking about how her name is a sort—it's a slur—and so we were saying we have mixed feelings about saying her name. It is her name. Yeah, it's kind of this is just sort of a caveat to say like. It's an uh, kind of like an inappropriate name for a character, um, even if it's not u- used as a slur within the context of the episodes ever. Um, and I don't think we would say that would be a good name for a character yeah.
0: now or then, but yeah. And it makes our, our lives a little bit com- complicated. Like, we can't bleep out every every time we say her name or just not say her name. But on the other hand, if you are a, a Romani person and you have an opinion about how we should deal with deal with it, or if it's just not something we even need to worry about, let us know. Mm-hmm. That would be great to hear from you.
1: Yeah, our ears are open. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> after this, we return and Richard approves the car. Dean disappears. <laughs> and Lorelai finally confronts Richard with what she's been holding in. For the entire day. But I fully agree with everything she says here. Um, She talks about how Richard has come into her town and her house and been trying to be the authority and undermining her in front of her employees and making her feel small in her own town and house and life. Um, And I, I fully agree. I think she is also really reasonable as she's saying all of this. Um, she doesn't, mm-hmm. like, fly off the handle or anything. I thought she handled this really well, especially because we have seen her handle other fights much differently. I thought she was very level-headed, and Richard should have listened to her.
1: Yeah. Yeah, she says, why can't I make you hear me? And it mm-hmm. felt so Emily yeah, and Lorelai. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. Uh, yeah. Um, and what I really, I appreciate appreciate about this conversation as well as like the nuance they add when Richard defends himself in response and like Mm -hmm. like you said I'm 100% with Lorelai in this conversation but I do like what they kind of unearth about where Richard is coming from when he admits to the whole how bugged he was that he was invited over as a favor how um he feels like a decrepit old crone or drone at the club at three in the afternoon. He feels like an annoyance, a burden. He feels obsolete. I'm just like paraphrasing. Um, and he says, I hope you never feel like this. Um, and I just like that because it unpacks where he's been coming Mm -hmm. from, perhaps why he's been lashing out. Um, partially, you know, I think he has underlying issues about the way he views himself as the Mm -hmm. patriarch, like we've explained, but, um, Yeah, so I guess I would, like, I liked that he explained that. um, uh, But that is, like, the reason. It's not the excuse. Like, he made Lorelei feel bad because he's feeling bad, Mm -hmm. really, is the thing. And so it's like, thanks for explaining where you're coming from, but it doesn't justify your actions throughout the entire episode. Um, But it does, like, continue his storyline that is a longer arc that I think will track that we've been tracking, you know, of, like, how it seems like this um, grappling with his, like, identity as a retired person is, like, bringing out the worst in Richard, mm-hmm. and it's something he really needs to overcome, and there should be more apologies down the line. Yeah, seriously.
0: Yeah, I think it's really a pattern um, with how he, as you said, make, when he feels bad, he tries to make other people feel bad, because that's exactly what he did to Emily. Um, like during the debutante mm-hmm. ball episode, when he was just like under or demeaning her at, at all times, just because yeah. he felt bad in his own job. It's just, it's such a clear pattern. I don't know how he can't recognize it, <laughs> or how nobody has yeah. brought it up to him before. Because it, it it's it's not like I mean everybody has patterns in how they deal with things, but hopefully over time you start to recognize the patterns. But I mm-hmm. think he just does like zero introspection. Um, yeah. And this, but I I agree. It is everything he's saying is sad, and I understand yeah. where he's coming from. But he does need to apologize for what he's done.
1: <laughs> we have two scenes after this. The episode is pretty much over um but we find Rory coming home she was you know sent out so that Richard and could have this (laughs) argument she was sent out to pick up their Chinese food and so she's making her way home and she runs into Jess for a fun little scene maybe to just throw in Jess more which (laughs) I appreciate (laughs) Mm -hmm. um she's like looking at the video store which has put up this like class photo of her on a (laughs) podium practically and she's like grimacing hating this i am totally with her she's like where did they get this picture why are they doing this to me and jess is kind of making fun with her trying to point out how it's a funny situation and he talks about like if you start burning books they'd probably make you mayor. <laughs> and he alludes to like a prank that he's done mm-hmm. um, he says he doesn't think the picture will be up much longer And at first I thought this was implying, like, you know, when he knocked over the other person's snow uh, man. But he, so I was like, are you going to, like, break in and, like, destroy the property (laughs) or something? Another line. Which would be intense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But uh, she bribes him with an egg roll to come back to explain more. And he says, I might have made a surprise for whoever rents Dumbo and Bambi so did he like switch some movies which is kind of like if he put like an r-rated horror movie in and a child is about to just go watch Dumbo a little scary but overall I like that he's supporting Rory with his antics kind of
0: I'm glad also that Jess wasn't actually breaking in because that would have been I think that would have been crossing a line. That <laughs> would
1: yeah, be a big
0: deal. We can only have so much, you know, forgiveness yeah. <laughs> for him. It's true. <laughs> so after this fun scene, we get just kind of a culmination of Richard's emotional state. He goes back home, Emily is cheerful, she's had a great day, and it just <laughs> kind of drives home the fact that she enjoys her life better when he's not around all day, which I'm sure mm-hmm. is really painful. Yeah, and he makes an excuse and just kind of goes into his study, and sits down, and just looks dejected and sad, very morose. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) he's under like a
1: single lamp light (laughs) in the big chair, and it fades to black. And (sighs) to be continued, really. I think about his storyline; it makes me think. Like, does he open up that business with Jason soon? Like, I know that's to come. And I just didn't think it was going to be so soon. So there must be something else. Or is this put on the back burner that picked up again? I felt
0: like that was season three or something. I don't know. We'll see. But that must, that must be season three. Because there's other stuff that happens with Lorelai in between now and then. (laughs) I don't know. We'll see, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, we (laughs) will.
1: Well, all right. Yeah. It was good to be back for the second half of season
0: two. And looking forward to more yeah so that brings us <laughs> to the end <laughs> don't forget to join us on all platforms and email us your gazebo moments or thoughts or mm-hmm. your 30 second recaps just for funsies to <laughs> talkingfastpodcast <laughs> at com. and yeah. see you next time <laughs> yeah
1: talk to you next time